Welcome in. It's Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk with me, John Lund, episode 22 for Thursday, October 13th, 2022. The perfect fit if the 49ers want to trade. Rooting for the Padres or rooting against the Dodgers. In all the Draymond Green punch talk, a warrior could be emerging in one for the road. Before you ask, the answer is no. Let's go. Hey, that rhymes. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. It is Thursday, Downhill Cider Week, October 13th, 2022, episode 22. Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. Please spread the word. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcasts. You can listen to me, my day job, KNBR 680 in the Bay Area, the Blowtorch, KNBR.com. You can stream us 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific time with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. We have a good time. You should listen in. Interact with the podcast any old time. We do a mailbag each Tuesday, but uh, the best ones we will uh, discuss at John Lund Radio on Twitter. Hit me up. Whether you like the pod, don't like the pod, things we can do better, things you like so that we can uh, adjust things so that people uh, enjoy, if you know what I mean. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to enjoy, entertain, all those kind of things. So we got a ton to do. It's funny because... I do a radio show and I do a podcast, and I always think to myself, there's not going to be enough content today, and then there's tons of content. There's plenty of stuff to talk about every single day, including this may be a luxury. This first one is we do the leadoff spot. If you're new to the podcast, we do a leadoff spot every single day, what I think is the biggest or most interesting story of the day. And today, this may be fantasy and sports radio kind of talk, and maybe, maybe not, and will they do this? Probably not. But I'll tell you what, there is a perfect fit, and the trade deadline is coming up on November 1st. And I know there's a lot of injuries, and maybe they may have to save things up for that. But this, to me, would be the perfect fit for the 49ers. So let's get going in today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 25-yard line, Christian McCaffrey has a hole, has a first down. Christian McCaffrey breaks free. Finally busts one loose, 49 yards inside the New York 25. All right, so Christian McCaffrey might be a luxury for the 49ers, but defensively, I'm going to assume something for a second, which is dangerous. Yeah, the injuries have been bad, Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, goes down, but I do believe eventually, even though I don't so much, and I said this on the podcast yesterday, I don't know that I trust second-year player Diaminor Lenore, even though he's a lot better. I don't know that I trust second-year corner Ambry Thomas, even though he came down with the interception that ended the Rams game in the regular season and put the 49ers into the playoffs. I'm not sure that uh, Dante Johnson, who is always in case of emergency break glass guy who's always hanging around, and a veteran who knows the system, I'm not sure that he's good enough because defensively you want to be airtight because if there's one place to attack, an offense will just continue to attack and attack and attack. So on the other side, and this is why the defense has been so much better, they've always been great in the front seven, but it's always been the corners and it's kind of been a question. Well, they got Shavarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley had emerged and there was no place to attack this defense. Talanoga Hafunga has emerged and you're going, where do you attack these guys? All of a sudden there's a leak at one of the corner spots but I do think Jason Verrett could be the answer. Now, that's dangerous because he gets injured a lot. So maybe the 49ers, who don't have a lot of bullets in the chamber in terms of uh, things to give up draft pick-wise, they still owe one more in the Trey Lance trade, one more first-round pick. So they don't have a lot of equity as far as draft is concerned. And I don't know if they could get Christian McCaffrey, but I don't think the defense is the problem. 
Uh, it Offense shouldn't be the problem if you have Kyle Shanahan, but going into last week, they averaged 17.8 points per game, which was 27th in the league, and we can talk about how Jimmy didn't throw in the offseason and was coming back from his shoulder, and they're going to get better and better offensively, and that's fine and dandy. But uh, Elijah Mitchell is injury-prone. I like what Jeff Wilson Jr. has done, but he's better in a rotation. Uh, Tevin Coleman to a point, but he's a little bit older. The 49ers' offense goes as the running game goes. But not only is Christian McCaffrey a great running back, Christian McCaffrey, to me, can be what Cooper Cup is to the Rams. You can put Christian McCaffrey in the slot. You can move him all over. Can you imagine what Kyle Shanahan could draw up? Let's say they made a trade. November 1st is the trade deadline. The kind of things that Kyle could draw up in the sand. Christian McCaffrey's a great receiver. He can play in the slot. He can run. The rest of the NFL would just be like, are you kidding me? This defense, and they just grabbed Christian McCaffrey? What? I know there's financial implications. There's all these kind of things. I'm just playing Fantasyland Sports Radio Sports Podcast guy for just a second. Christian McCaffrey's a great guy. Christian McCaffrey is exactly what you need offensively. Kyle is a mad scientist when it comes to these kind of things, and his potential hasn't been fully unlocked in Carolina. Now, look, he's not perfect. He's 26, but he's been run a lot. He does get injured. There's no question. You would have to give up if you're not. You can't give up a one this year, and I wouldn't advocate even giving up a one next year. Running backs just aren't worth it. But he's different. Uh, would you give up two number twos? I would. Uh, Carolina's in a rebuild mode. They just fired their coach Matt Rule. You know that because the 49ers beat him, and then the coach got fired. Uh, Steve Wilkes was a really good defensive coordinator, but not is not going to get that job long term. But you don't care about that. You care about Christian McCaffrey. Well, I did look at some odds this morning, and I don't know how accurate Vegas is. Uh, the odds say to remain with the Carolina Panthers is a 28.6 implied probability. Yeah, look at me being a numbers guy. Then the Bills, then the Broncos, Rams, Bucks, 49ers at plus 1,009%. Now, here's another reason. And coaches never say this, but if he goes to the Rams, good night. If he goes to the Buccaneers, good night. I mean, those are teams that could be looking at him. I don't think there's a better fit in the NFL than Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey just running the ball. But just think of it like this. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, (laughs) Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Jawan Jennings. This whole Debo thing, and and oh, by the way, Kyle Juszczyk, who we always forget about. Defensively, if they get that corner spot, and maybe maybe they have to wait. Maybe they have to say, you know what, let's wait and see what happens at that corner spot. And that the limited equity that we do have from a draft capital standpoint, maybe we have to use it at that corner spot because you're, you're I'm talking about Jason Verrett being the savior, and he just can't stay healthy. So maybe all this talk is for not. But Christian McCaffrey, to me, if offense is the issue, and I think offense is the issue, and to make things easier on Jimmy Garoppolo, why don't you just get him another weapon? Maybe the ultimate weapon that's available. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, it's not pure fantasy land. Carolina, it's come out of Carolina that, they're in total rebuild mode. So whether it's Christian McCaffrey or Brian Burns or any of these guys, I'd love J.C. Horn, but they're not going to trade him in his second year. He's a great corner out of South Carolina. I'd love him. But I think Christian McCaffrey is the perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan. And now we've got you figured out because we figured out Debo. Oh, we just added Christian McCaffrey to the mix. What are you going to do now? I love it. I don't know what it would cost. Yeah, there's a lot of there's financial implications. There's giving up more draft capital. But when you're in a championship window, as the 49ers are, then that's what you do. You go for it. And I will give this regime credit. They looked into Khalil Mack. They've look, they tried to get Matthew Stafford. They've been aggressive any time a player has been available. They haven't always gotten that player, but they've been aggressive when players have been available. 
The ultimate aggressive move would be Christian McCaffrey. You have the defense, add a piece to the offense, and you could be lifting another Lombardi trophy. That's your leadoff spot. Next. The payoff pitch. In the air to right. Soto is there. And this series is even at a game apiece. Padres beat the Dodgers last night 5-3. to three. Now, look, I'm terrible at reading fans, and if you listen to my show on KNBR, I've been a big advocate for the Padres, and I've gotten a little bit of feedback, not a lot. They're playing the Dodgers, so fans are like, well, yeah, we, we want anybody to beat the Dodgers. To me, the Padres really haven't been relevant since 1984 when they beat the Cubs in the NLCS. They won the West. They beat the Cubs in the NLCS. Remember the ball through Leon Bull Durham's legs? They had Steve Garvey, so you didn't like him. They were kind of striped. Don't get me into the colors of the Padres. I I, I don't get it. I, I would have changed them a long time ago, and they've never gotten it right. But anyway, that's irrelevant. We don't need to get into uniform conversation. My point in saying all this is that of all the teams left, I've made it openly known that I'm rooting for the Padres. I'm a big Bob Melvin fan. I've said this on the podcast before. Every single time, and Greg, Papa, and I know Bob Melvin very well. He's been great to us. And every single time the Giants played the Padres this year, he would come on, whether it was a game day or not, in the morning, sometimes leading off the show, was very, very honest. He came the day after the Fernando Tatis suspension was announced and was very open with us and very honest with us. And he's just a great guy. Uh, Met him in a social setting before. He's just one of the best guys you could ever meet. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the Padres are where they are. Now people have come back to me and said, hey, next year they're they're playing the Padres and they're going to be tough and they're going to be tough for a while. They're going to get Fernando Tatis. I totally get it. But they're not the Dodgers. So of all the teams that are left because of a connection with Bob Melvin, and I like the city of San Diego, I'm I don't know if I'm saying I'm openly rooting, but I don't know, for the baseball playoffs, and I guess you're probably like this as well, at John Lund Radio, you can hit me up and tell me. It's not like you, for your own team, you openly root. This is kind of a fandom thing for me, and you can tell me if you disagree. You openly root for your team. You just, you have heartstrings, whatever it is, however you got to love your team, you love your team. Now, when your team is out, some fans just don't watch. There's all, there's different levels of fans. I love the baseball playoffs, and I have to have a team to root for. Now, when you sit on your couch, it just comes kind of naturally. I was going to say organically, but that word is so overused nowadays. It just comes naturally to who you root for and who you root against. So I'm sitting on the couch. I'm, I like the Padres. I, I love the city of San Diego. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love going down to the beach in San Diego and having some, a margarita and some tacos? It's just an unbelievable city. It's a non-offensive kind of a city. It's like it's 75 and sunny every single day. It's everybody... Everybody loves San Diego. I mean, that's, that's just how San Diego works. So, it, it, I don't know, for that very reason, too, I guess I pick it. But I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm looking at the Phillies and the Braves, and that series is tied at one game apiece as well. I don't really have a horse in the race on that one. And I, I often will pick my favorites based on proximity. I'm a West Coast guy basically my entire life, although I worked in Detroit and I worked in Pittsburgh. But I kind of root for West Coast teams to do well. So the Padres are there. I have no ties to the Phillies or the Braves. Uh, I look at the American League, definitely not a Yankees fan. I'm not a hater. I'm just never been a Yankees fan. And, I, again, there's another fan dynamic. You either love the Yankees or you don't. I don't know that anybody's really indifferent towards the Yankees. I just don't like the Yankees. Uh, they're, <clears throat> they're playing the Guardians, and I always mess up on the air. I've done it a million times. We've had people on for the Guardians. I say Indians all the time still. I don't really think about them. I'm kind of neutral on the Guardians, so I don't have anything there. And then the Astros and the Mariners, I'd, I'd like to see the Mariners 
you know, it, Major League Baseball wouldn't like this, but I'd like the Mariners and the Padres. Nobody will watch. Nobody will watch on the East Coast. They'll get no numbers. They don't want that. Uh, I don't know if the Mariners can come back after losing game one to the Astros in the fashion that they did. But anyway, the point is, is that I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say openly rooting for the Padres, but I want the Padres to win of all the remaining teams. So I'd love to get your thoughts. Are you rooting for a certain team? Can you sit on your couch and not root for anybody? Are you just rooting against whoever's playing the Dodgers? What's your viewpoint on the Yankees? Uh, look, the playoffs to me so far, and today the American League takes over for a couple of for today, and then you know you go back in the weekend and everything. I said this on a podcast the other day. The intertwining of on the weekend of college football, baseball, more college football, more baseball, and then on Sunday NFL, baseball, baseball, NFL, all that stuff. I, I don't even know what to do with myself. I mean, it's like cake on top of cake with frosting on top, you know, layered into. I mean, it's just um, ice cream. It's this whole thing, a bunch of sprinkles. This is. I love all of this. I can't get enough of it. My wife looks at me like, "Could we get any time? Could we go to dinner once?" Yeah. And I don't even really care about the Indians and Yankees. I, the American League, eh, whatever. But I'm into the uh, the Padres and the Dodgers. So give me your thoughts on who you're rooting for, why you're rooting for them philosophically. I mean, other than, like I said, I'm openly rooting kind of for Bob Melvin, which means the Padres, and I know they're in the Giants division, but it doesn't grade at me nearly the same way that the Dodgers win in the World Series would, and we all say around here that they want a fake World Series in 2020, but I guess you got to acknowledge it to some extent. But I'd love to get your philosophy on all this kind of stuff, or you just sit on the couch and you love baseball. Maybe that's it. I remember talking to my dad many times. He just loved baseball. You know, he, he didn't need to have a team. I kind of need to have a rooting interest. You know, some people need a gambling interest. Some people need a fantasy interest. I kind of need a rooting interest. And then lots of times it just comes naturally. But as far as the Padres, that's that's my team. And you can get angry with me about it if you want to because they're in the Giants division. All right, next. Is this the most fun you've had playing basketball? It's, man, it's the most fun I had, man. Two years have been really hard for me, especially being a young player, so. Um, I'm just grateful to be be out there. All glory be to God. So I'm just grateful to be out there playing the game. That's James Wiseman. And maybe this means nothing. Maybe this means something. I said this on the air on KNBR yesterday, which was I, I heard the entire postgame interview with James Wiseman. And by the way, it's a preseason game. I get it. I have it in perspective. But amongst uh, all the Draymond punch talk and Jordan Poole and drama and, and all the things going around the Warriors, James Wiseman is healthy. The second overall pick a couple of years ago. Uh, James Wiseman, 18 points, seven boards in 18 minutes versus the Lakers. But maybe you need to go back and hear that that cut again. But James Wiseman sounds confident. And it's easy for all of us in the media to to sit around and say, well, you know, a guy should should be that way or it shouldn't matter mentally. Or, he, you know, he, he's gotten beaten up so badly. And a young kid, I have an 18-year-old who's almost 19, and James Wiseman is only a couple of years older than that, and we all know. And it's not just a young person thing. We all have our phones almost surgically attached to our wrist, and we're staring at it at all times. And people can say to James Wiseman, well, don't look at those things that say that, you know, Anthony Edwards taking one pick ahead of you is so much better in the mellow ball. The Warriors should have taken him. And it just it, it grates on a kid. But he finally sounds confident. He hasn't been healthy. It takes big men longer. Uh Media and fans look at the fact that he played, what, two games in college at Memphis as an excuse, not an explanation. And I'm big on that term. Some things are excuses, and I'll call teams or players out on that. And some things are explanations. And it takes big men longer. It's just a fact. James Wiseman was very young. He came straight from high school. What did he do in high school? Did you ever watch any of the film? He was so much bigger, stronger, and more athletic than anybody else. He just dunked on everybody's head. 
You don't have to develop any type of skills or feel for the game of basketball. You don't have to be in the right spot at the right time. You don't have to defensively worry about stuff because your athleticism, you'll block a bunch of shots, and nobody challenges you. And now you come straight, basically straight to the NBA with very little or no college experience, literally, and you're asked to play against guys and have the intricacies of the game for people who are your size and actually bigger and more skilled than you. And so your confidence lacks, and that's what happened with James Wiseman. And then the injuries happen, and then he starts reading that he's a bust, and all these type of things come onto his head. And these guys aren't robots that you just shove in a locker, and they come out and they play basketball. So maybe it will mean nothing, but the first step to me with a player is always if they sound confident. And James Wiseman, for the first time in his Warriors career, after the performance against the Blazers, sounds like a man and sounds confident. Did you see him referenced back to a young player? I was a young player. He said was, past tense. I was a young player. He seems confident. Now, maybe it'll be nothing. But if you want to comp him to Trey Lance, and some people are doing that with all the injuries, they'll be going into their third year. That's what's going to happen with Trey Lance. He's going to be going into his third year unproven. James Wiseman's going into his third year unproven. Wiseman was taken second. Trey Lance was taken third. Had a lot of injuries, all these kind of things. Both uh, hardly played in college. 319 passes total and basically one season for Trey Lance. Uh, James Wiseman, three games. So there's a comp there. But why? here's the biggest difference in why Wiseman's got a massive advantage. He's got all these veterans around him. He's not the quarterback. He doesn't have to save the team. For now, and he's got more. He's got skills way beyond this. But for right now, Steve Kerr and this entire staff will say to James Wiseman, offensively, stay in the dunker position, get some offensive rebounds, you know, set great screens. We're not going to run any plays for you, but whatever you get, you're going to kind of be a garbage man. And he's so skilled. He had 18 points in 18 minutes, and he can shoot threes, and he can shoot jumpers and elbow jumpers, and he can get out on the break, and he can do all these different things. But for right now, we don't need scoring at all from you. And just by James Wiseman hanging around, let's say they can find 20 minutes for James Wiseman, which I hope they can. And he's got to earn it on a really good team. you got to earn it. But if James Wiseman can play 20 minutes, he'll be a double-double guy. He'll be at least 12 and 10. And then defensively, hey, James, just help Draymond Green out. Defend, rebound, block shots. He's incredibly athletic. He can move better than you know, Rudy Gobert. I'm not saying he can guard one to five, but he can probably guard three, four, five at a fairly competent rate. And in this league, they're just going to challenge you. They're going to pick and roll you to death, and they're going to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to ISO James Wiseman and see. I think he can hold up just fine. My point in saying all this is that he will, he will have a simple role with the Warriors. He's not the quarterback of the 49ers like Trey Lance has to be next year. He is, he is a guy who can just fit in for now, and then his role can expand and flourish as these other guys get older, as Steph, Clay, and Draymond get older and phase out a little bit, then James Wiseman can blossom and bloom into this guy who's shooting jumpers and shooting threes and, you know, all those kind of things. But to me, he has a really simple role. Do whatever it is you do. There's no pressure on you. We won a championship without you, so just come in. It took Joel Embiid a few years, people forget. And at the time, in one of the toughest sports towns there is, Philadelphia, oh, he's a bust, he's a bust, he's a bust. Now everybody loves him, and they forgot about all that stuff. It takes time. He's had injuries. I just hope he can stay healthy. But his confidence just in that cut, and I could be 100% wrong, and it could mean nothing. But I like it when I hear young players that are confident. And it was never about skills or lack thereof. He has it through the roof. So just play that position. Stay confident. If Draymond yells at you, don't get down. If something's on social media, I can tell you firsthand. Don't listen to it. Just whatever. You know what you're doing. You've been playing this game. It's time for James Wiseman to be confident. 
And I was thinking to myself as I was watching that game against Portland the other night, what if James Wiseman's good? And I don't, I'm not saying he needs to be an all-star. I'm not saying he needs to be an all-timer. I'm not saying he needs to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm just saying what if James Wiseman is healthy and good? How good are the Warriors then? They're already the champions. And then you add James Wiseman? Scary. It's time for One for the Road. Bum's going to depart and listen to this crowd. Our fans do not forget. You're not. You hear that guy yelling at the end, we love you, Bum! And I'm not asking Giants fans in one for the road today. I'm not asking Giants fans to remember Madison Bumgarner as an Arizona Diamondback. But before you ask, the answer is no. There are rumors out there that the Arizona Diamondbacks want to trade Madison Bumgarner because his time in the desert has been a disaster. Three years in Arizona, 15-29 and 29 record with a 498 ERA. Last season, 7-15 and 15 with a 488. And I know for the analytics guys, those aren't the numbers that count. But if you go through all the analytics and you do a deep dive on Madison Bumgarner, the numbers actually look worse. He turned 33 in August. Uh, more importantly, he has $41 million left on his deal, $27 million for next year, $14 million the year after that, and he just turned 33 in August. Did I mention that? He's pitched a lot of postseason uh, games. I know that the Giants ha- will have a hole because if you haven't heard, Carlos Rodon is going to leave. Apparently, Carlos Rodon didn't always see eye-to-eye with Gabe Kapler, and I could see that. I've talked about this many times on the on different podcasts that I I, I think Gabe is – unrelatable. I think Gabe is robotic. Um, I think a lot of players are going to struggle to play with or play for Gabe Kapler. I'm, I just, I don't think he's warm and cuddly and you don't have to be that. But now that computers basically tell you who to play, when to play, situational baseball, all those kind of things, they just spit something out. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. This is what you'll do. And the game is basically hatched from a from an egg in the office. It's it's not really from feel or anything like that. So what your number one job is as a manager is to get through 162 games and spring training and all the months that are together and all the different types of people and personalities from different places all over the world and meld that all together and make the clubhouse work. And it's not easy. And I, I don't know if Gabe Kapler is going to be the long-term answer for the Giants. I just I see him as very synthetic. I could be 100% wrong. It's nothing personal against Gabe Kapler. Uh, it's just that he, I don't know, there's something that's missing there for me for Gabe Kapler. Anyway, I didn't mean to go on a Gabe Kapler rant. My whole point is is that people are going to say, should we bring back Madison Bumgarner? I, I love what Madison Bumgarner did. 2014 is one of the greatest performances in the postseason that a pitcher could ever have. Uh, I love the part where Chevy guy flubbed all over the place and Madison Bumgarner was standing up there. I love the personality of Mason Saunders. Madison Bumgarner, I, I, I love everything about Madison Bumgarner. I love the snot rockets. I love how Maddie gets. I love the uh, the Dodger interactions with Puig and Muncy. A- everything about him. When he comes back, I'll cheer as loud as anybody. I like Madison Bumgarner. Uh, personally, we did some uh, some things together from a promotional standpoint, and everything you see is everything you get. There's not one ounce uh, where I talk about Gabe Kapler is one thing. Madison Bumgarner is who he is. And he ain't changing for anybody. He once got his wife, what was it, a steer for like an anniversary. He's North Carolina through and through. I love Madison Bumgarner. Nobody's going to take away the things he did for the Giants. But in terms of bringing him back, 
No, 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 no. You might not like like Farhan Zaidi and some of the things that he's done with the Giants, but he made the absolute right and tough decision on Madison Bumgarner. They didn't even offer him a contract when he went to Arizona, and it's been a disaster in the desert for Madison Bumgarner. So before you ask, the answer is no, and that's one for the road. And that is Unleashed with me, John Lund, Barry, a sports talk for Thursday, October 13th, 2022, episode... 22. Thank you so much for listening. Please spread the word. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. Listen to me during my day job, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific weekdays with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, on KNBR, KNBR 680 in the Bay Area, KNBR.com. Interact with the podcast, Unleashed, at John Lund Radio. Whether you love it, hate it, ideas, attaboys, at John Lund Radio. Unleashed, Bay Area Sports Talk. We drop it each weekday. That is episode 22, Thursday, October 13th on the Locked On Podcast Network.